You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA. Today, we always appreciate being included as a part of your day. And we've got a lot coming on today's program. We're going to check in on the grain and livestock markets with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Research and Analysis here in just a moment. And then in segment two, we're going to dig into what's developing here in the crude oil market. Brian Milne, the energy editor with DTN, will be joining us. We're going to talk about that attempted Iranian hijacking of two crude oil ships earlier this week. And why the market didn't really seem to care all that much. In segment three, we're going to dive into the livestock business with Justin Tupper, president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. So stay tuned. We will get to all of that here in just a moment. But before we do, we're seeing some headlines coming out of the wheat market here. And wheat has been a tough story all year long. Mike Zuzalo down in Kansas. And Mike, let's talk about the wheat crop first off the bat here. How are things looking in your neck of the woods down there in Kansas? Yeah, Northeast Kansas, primarily still corn and bean country since we're right on the border here in Atchison with Missouri. We're looking probably the best we've been in probably the 10 years that I've been here, Mike, as far as corn and beans. Uh, really good growing season. Got in early, got a lot of rains early, and we've gotten backed up with a, quite a few rains. That's not a big area, and it gets uh, drier very quickly, uh, especially as you get uh, west and south and, and far western Kansas. But I'd say Manhattan is a good dividing line at this point for uh, where the crops really start to peter out. I think one thing that maybe the market is looking at now is when we saw those uh, harvest progress numbers for the state of Kansas in between the weekend and the 4th of July holiday, Kansas at 46% harvested versus 80% last year. And then we see another three to four inches of rain coming right in the heart of the hard red wheat belt, probably the best part of the state, I would guess, in that Wichita, Hutchinson, Pratt, Kansas area. All of those areas looking at three to four inches of rain in the next five days. I think the market's taken notice of that, and we've seen that especially in the hard red minus the soft red spread. So that's probably the biggest thing, especially given the negativity after the acreage report uh, for the corn that the corn has going forward at this point is a wheat-led market, which I tend to like in terms of the past 25, 30 years I've been doing analysis. I really like wheat-led markets because they're not a feed grain then, and they're stay, they stay in their lane and they stay with the food side. Interesting, Mike. And, you know, as you think about that wheat-led rally last time, I think we talked, maybe it was a week ago, there were concerns developing in Europe that was spurring some buying in the wheat market. Are those concerns still there? Could that be additional wind at the back of, uh, of wheat moving forward? No, I'm glad you brought that up because it's almost a tale of two cities uh, as we enter the later part of this week. Uh, Zelensky in, in uh, Ukraine is going down to Turkey to talk about the grain deal. I think that's taken hold of the soft red wheat market. Sovicon is out putting uh, Russian exports up just under a million metric tons versus their last estimate uh, in the 23-24 marketing year. But anything kind of an increase of, of supply coming out of Europe or the Baltic that the trade tends to not like. And then the French yields uh, on the soft red winter wheat crop seem like they're coming in very nicely early yet, but still very nicely and could give us a a five to six percent increase in production. That's, I think, a big issue that we'll have to continue to watch. But I still see Europe as the leader in the, putting a low in the market as a, as a whole, Mike. 
All right, we'll be watching to see what comes there out of Europe. Mike, let's bring our focus here back to the corn market. We are seeing a little bit of green here in the corn, both old and new crop rising a little bit. Has the market found some new crop uh, comfort here at the $5 mark? I think they have because I think, you know, along with the drought monitor, which did get released this morning, even though we had a holiday, we only lost about 3% for corn and beans and drought in the agriculture table that USDA is providing us now. We're still at 67% corn drought, 60 in the soybeans. I think we are basing here, waiting for more news. And I, I think that makes sense given the fact that there's a large chunk of Iowa, Northern Illinois and Indiana that still are missed, have missed those big rains. And I told clients at the end of the week, uh, last week, first of this week, that while we probably only had 30% of the of the eastern half of the Corn Belt still in a 2012 type situation as far as yields for corn, that's still a big number and it can really move that national yield. So I'm really looking forward to what USDA has to say on their July 12 WASDE where we'll get the new acres and then we'll see if they update those yields and take them down. It will be interesting, Mike. You know, when that acreage report come out, as we as we talk about here, the, the corn price being where it's at, I, I saw that acreage, 94.1 million acres of corn, came out at the same time we had that derecho roll across. We started to see additional indications of potentially rainfall falling across the corn belt. My first thought, Mike, was, man, I wish... I had an open cattle feedlot pen and a banker willing to loan me a bunch of money because, my goodness, that seems like uh, some pretty good potential for feeder cattle here. What are you watching in the feeder cattle market? I think you have a good sense because Oklahoma City, even before the holiday and before those numbers came out, um, the steers were running 3 to $8 higher on good volume, and I think we've seen enough moisture. And then when we followed it up with those bigger corn acres, I think you're going to be right that we're going to see a lot of cattlemen, uh, cow-calf producers on the hunt for some lightweight steers at this point. I would also say, Mike, it's going to be interesting how the funds treat this market because the funds have been running that feeder corn ratio very hard the last six, seven months. We hit 25 times feeders versus corn in lead month futures right after the acreage report. That's the highest since August of 2020. I would not be surprised to see cash markets in the feeders stay very strong because of what you're talking about, but the feeder futures actually take a break and, and retrace because the funds start to pull the plug on that feeder corn position. Mike, can you explain for our audience, what is the feeder corn ratio? What are you measuring there? Yeah, it's a simple uh, ratio of the feeder price divided by the corn. And so when I say 25, it means that the feeder price is 25 times the price of corn in lead month futures. All right, Mike. So we've got that strength potentially still there on the cash side for feeders. Of course, all of it comes back to the demand for beef and that live cattle pricing. Where do you see us moving from here as we get deeper into summer? Yeah, I've been working a lot on that lately. The, the quarter four really concerns me both in China and the United States. I think we're already in a manufacturing recession in both countries based upon where we're looking at the recent numbers. I think what we're looking at, Mike, is a market where the cattle will need the hog market to support it and it'll need the equity market to support it. But I really do think those back end pricing opportunities should be taken advantage of when we get some good strong rallies. Mike, you mentioned the hog market would need to support it. It seems as though we're getting to that level. Hogs up 275, 280 today. Can that strength continue? Yeah, the bull is running, and I suspect it's mostly a fund-led bull with, along with it, pork getting the lion's share of the summer consumption. We've only got one holiday left. I think 
that the summer markets have seen the, the pork win two of the three. We'll see if it can go for three for three and funds are playing that hard. So I like it because I think it helps the long-term price of the cattle. Um, I probably would not expect this market to sustain over $100 if the Chinese keep buying pork for their reserves because that just allows them to try and prop up their price. I think we're going to have to come around and probably address that at some point, maybe by the end of this month even. All right. Could see that correction coming, folks. We've been talking this morning with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Research and Analysis. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Have a great week, sir. And folks, stick with us. Brian Milney, Energy Editor with DTN, will be joining us in just a bit. We'll talk about what factors are moving this crude oil market. Leave it here for more AOA in just a moment. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, it's a story that rings true. We learn to endure the heat in silence. We apply what we learn to life, the bills, the job, the family, things we're expected to handle with ease. When life heats up around us, we just try to stay afloat. We let the water boil. Reaching out isn't easy, but you've never been interested in easy. You join because you are not afraid of hard work. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait until the water boils. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. We have some exciting news to share. The National Corn Growers Association, along with AOA, are heading back to Washington, D.C. for the monthly grind. Tune in on Tuesday, July 18th for our special one-year anniversary episode. I'll be broadcasting live from Corn Congress in Washington, D.C., and we'll be reflecting on the year and what's ahead, along with current priorities of NCGA's Market Development Action Team. Make sure to listen to AOA on Tuesday, July 18th. It's a show you don't want to miss. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations 
solutions to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues today, and I was thinking one year ago, summer of 2022, we hardly made it through an episode without talking about the price of crude oil and the impact of oil prices on the global economy. Well, one year later, the price of crude is down about 25%, and it's been a while since we've done a deep dive on the factors that are moving inside that industry. And earlier this week, I saw a couple of headlines floating around about the country of Iran attempting to hijack two crude oil carrier ships out in the Persian Gulf. And it got me thinking, boy, maybe it's time we check back in on what's happening here in crude because there have been a lot of issues roiling that industry. Joining us now for an update is Brian Milne. He serves as the energy editor and energy analyst over at DTN. And Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Good morning, Mike. Thank you very much for having me. Let's talk first about this attempted hijacking that occurred earlier this week. Brian, this seems like a big deal. I did not see that many headlines on it, and the oil market hasn't really reacted. Is this something that's fairly common in the Persian Gulf? You know, it's uh, the market's getting a little numb to this information. Iran has tried to do this a number of times. In this latest incident, they uh, said that what that, t- that tanker that they tried, one of the tankers that they tried to uh, capture. Um, had rammed an Iranian tanker and they were going to capture it, you know, because of that, uh, which um, is up for debate. Um, but uh, so we, we've been seeing this. The uh, We have the fifth um, Navy um, situated right there in Bahrain, right there, in, right by Iran. And they dispatched a uh, destroyer that, uh, you know, that, that had the Iranian, ta- uh, the Iranian uh, warship leave the area. Um, so, it is something that uh, we're seeing an increased um, activity by Iran this year, especially in their uh, activities um, in, in the oil lanes and other locations. Um, so they are acting up again. And uh, uh, but uh, you know the market is still looking at um, you know an ample amount of supply. So it's not uh, it's not you're not seeing it picked up on the headlines as much uh, because of that. Gotcha. Since it didn't really impact supply, these tankers were able to get moving again once they saw that projection of of U.S. power in the Persian Gulf and get that oil to where it needs to go. Brian, you touched on uh, supply there. We do have ample supply, but I understand watching the headlines recently that the folks at OPEC might be working to cut that back. Can you fill us in on some of their recent decisions? Oh, absolutely. In fact, they were they're meeting. uh, They just finished meeting this week um, in Vienna. and in, during this meeting, you had uh, Saudi Arabia um, announce that they were going to extend a unilateral one million barrel per day production cut that they put in place for July. They're going to extend that into August. And OPEC, you have 13 members. They've also joined with 10 other countries that are oil producers and what is called OPEC Plus. And Russia is part of that. Russia also announced this week that they're going to cut 500,000 barrels per day on their oil exports. 
And um, even at Algeria, throw in a 20,000 barrel per day cut um, in August that they're going to make with their production. Um, this is part of the scheme. You've had OPEC plus announced production cuts um, a couple of times over the past several months. Um, and their goal is to try to limit um, inventory buildup. Well, their goal is to lift the price primarily, but by doing so, by limiting inventory buildup. We've seen inventory gains globally, and they're looking to reduce that amount of supply um, out there in the water. So. Brian, I mean, that that makes sense. And that's something we hear OPEC do anytime the price of oil gets too low. They always try to cut production and bid to bring that price back up. But as I listen to the names of some of those OPEC plus members, I think Russia, I think some of the uh, the Middle Eastern states that rely predominantly on oil income, can they afford to make these sort of production cuts? A country like Russia. Right. Well, yeah, Russia, Russia uh, has been forced to sell their oil at a discount and their uh, oil revenues are down substantially, at least 50%, maybe even more uh, than what you would otherwise have seen. Um, there is, uh, a, 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 between the United States, the European Union, and some other industrial nations, they have worked where they are limiting ability for Russian oil to flow freely um, and they're capping a price. Um, so even though the oil is flowing, in fact, Russian Russian oil production has been a little stronger than a lot of a lot of people have in, did anticipate um, because they're selling it more to China and to India, countries like that, but they're selling it at a deep discount. So that's hurting them. Um, the Saudi Arabia, you know, the idea that they're going to lift production, uh, I mean, lift prices rather through the production cuts um, does hurt, you know, so you get a higher price, but so you're selling less volume. So it's very debatable that they're going to make extra money on that, but they're looking at the overall longer term projection, at least that's that's their comments, um, you know, trying to balance the market. Okay. All right. So we're trying to see that effort brought to bear. Brian, domestically for producers looking to increase production, has America moved into that category yet? Are we seeing drill rigs start to go up at all, or are we just kind of standing pat in our energy production? You know, that's a curious one. Um, the, the rig count has gone almost continuously um, this year, um, to keep on trickling, trickling lower. Um, I mean, some weeks we see a little bit of a gain, but, but it's been down, it's down, uh, oh, geez, uh, a bunch this year. Um, however, oil production has increased. We're down a little bit. We did hit 12.4 million barrels per day a few weeks back, and now we're back around 12.2 million barrels per day. Um, so we, so we've seen a little bit off there. Um, but overall we've seen the U S production has grown quietly almost, um, you know, several, hundred thousand barrels per day over the past year um, and that's owed to greater efficiency um, by by producers um, we, we have quite a quite 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 expertise in in US drilling um, efforts and you are seeing strong growth a lot of that's really the Permian Basin we're also seeing some more growth uh, happening in North Dakota um, so uh, and even some in the offshore water so it's quietly but it's it's it, it's so the rig counts going down I mean, that's a reflection, you know, of the market. If, if prices were much higher, you wouldn't see that. Um, so this is a reaction to lower prices, but still we are seeing growth in the oil, in the oil patch. All right. Well, that's good Good news to hear there, at least uh, for those producers down in the oil patch. Brian, thinking about supply, it sounds like we've got at least ample, as you mentioned, stocks here to look to the future. The next question, of course, is demand. Mike Zuzalo here in segment one mentioned that the risks of a, of a, a manufacturing recession are climbing in China as the, the R word still on the minds of oil analysts. You know, in, in the U.S., we're already seeing a manufacturing recession. But as far as an overall recession, you know, you 
You heard a lot of talk about that. And now it's, it's, it's coming from a loud blaring uh, volume to kind of a whisper almost um, because we're just seeing this incredible um, growth in the United States you can, when you compare to what you would expect um, with higher interest rates um, you know, produced by the Federal Reserve. Um, so, yes, uh, China is, is a different bit of a pickle. Um, there was a great expectations for them to see really strong growth this year uh, when they exited the lockdowns uh, quite abruptly in December. Um, and you did see a bounce up there um, in January earlier this year, but it has really trailed off and, um, and they're struggling. China is, China's economy is struggling. I mean, they're massive. Um, and we do expect them to throw some stimulus in there, but the manufacturing side is definitely hurting. And part of that is because of exports. So even though I just mentioned the U.S. is, is you know, you're seeing some strong growth, it's not every section. So manufacturing is hurting, but service sector is doing well. So it's things like that. In fact, we just had a reading from the service in the, uh, from the service sector in the United States that just showed really strong growth um, in June. That was unexpected. Um, uh, so, uh, but China is hurting. They, they're suffering from very high, high rate of youth unemployment. Uh, their property sector is in trouble. Um, but when you have the world uh, importing less because of inflation, which is global, um, that is a problem for China since they're still, you know, expecting to make a lot of their revenue through uh, exports. So, yeah, that uh, a recession in China, China manufacturer is certainly uh, possible, but I can't call that just yet. I need a little more time. <laughs> All right. We got to get, get some more data out of the Chinese before we can make that decision. Yeah. Brian, of course, summertime, this is the driving season for Americans. I have had the chance to book a few hotel rooms and they are certainly pricey out there across the country. Are Americans getting out and driving? Are we utilizing the, the fuels like we have in the past? You know, we, you are seeing uh, demand and um, I know the, uh, Automobile Association of America was projecting, projecting rather record demand over this past July Fourth holiday, which pretty much ended uh, Wednesday. Um, so we, so so we are, so there, we are seeing that uh, we are uh, we are seeing some a lot more drive and more mileage driving um, for vacations. However, when you look at it, and we're up against last year, um, but when you when you compare before, uh, you know, for the pre-COVID period, we're still down about four four and a half percent. Um, and actual gasoline consumption. Um, and that has to do with a couple of factors. So even though we're seeing this strong, strong holiday travel, and that's expected to continue right through the summer, um, which does boost consumption, you are you are seeing vehicle efficiency ratings in sale and, and um, sale of electric vehicles hurting consumption. But also the bigger factor too is the work from home factor. We just don't, aren't seeing those work commutes. And that has um, undermined gasoline demand when you look um, between you know, the pre-COVID period and the post-COVID period. That makes sense. Lots to watch here in crude oil, folks. It still definitely matters. That's Brian Milney of DTN. Stay tuned. More AOA next. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. 
If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. A bit of an interesting trade so far on this Thursday. A little bit of spread action here with corn. Uh, seeing some bull spreading against the soy complex and wheat also turning lower now after we saw some more overnight gains in Kansas City and spring wheat. So uh, a bit of a mixed bag here. Corn holding up decently here. Uh, six to eight higher with Deese corn right at that $5 psychological mark. And we're going to be watching to see here how the weather looks. Things remain a little questionable with the northern corn belt expected to be shortchanged on rainfall in the next 7 to 10 days, while the southern half of the belt is expected to see good coverage with a system from Friday through the weekend promising to bring rain from Kansas and Oklahoma into Missouri and Arkansas and into portions of the southeast with some of it being very heavy. Now, there appears to be limited rain on tap for Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, and northern Illinois. Traders are going to be watching how this all unfolds. They'll be taking into account the new drought monitor that is out on Thursday. National subsoil moisture situation remaining pretty precarious with 48% of that short to very short. 83% for Missouri short to very short. Just gives you an idea how dry things are in that state. But yet corn is kind of playing off the weather concerns again, trading a little bit higher with the soy complex, uh, probably taking a little profit here on the recent rallies there as we just have a bit of a downtrend there. The Dow Jones down around 450 points. That could be a bit of a weight here on the commodity trade with crude oil down a little over 1% here today as well. Meantime, front month hogs continue to soar with July now up around 103.50, running into some lofty levels here. Cattle lower with feeders under some moderate pressure. Live cattle lower as well as we wait for cash cattle activity to develop this week. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues today, and now we're going to turn our focus to farmer get-togethers. This summer can be a great time for folks in an industry to gather, take a load off, get away from the farm, get away from the ranch, and talk about the long-term impacts to their industry. And one group that has a summer meeting coming up is the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. Joining us now for an update on that meeting and the other issues they've been working on in the news now is President Justin Tupper of South Dakota. Justin, thank you so much for joining us on AOA today. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Mike. Absolutely. And Justin, I understand you're, you're gearing up for a sale today. Is that right? We are off, actually. Today, we're off for our 4th of July holiday. I'm actually out in the pasture looking at some yearlings as we speak. Oh, well, that is a great way to spend the day. We appreciate you taking the time to jump on the show with us, Justin. And let's talk about the summer business meeting happening soon in Reno, Nevada. What are the details? Yeah, we're very excited to have our uh, summer meeting, first one we've had in a while since COVID uh, uh, in Reno, kind of in conjunction with Western uh, video sale going on at the same time. But uh, uh, we're bringing in uh, people to discuss the checkoff, uh, lots of questions about uh, the checkoff and where it's headed and uh, and uh, what can we do to make it better, enhance the checkoff. And so we're going to have uh, people from the Federation, from the CBB, uh, there to answer any questions about the checkoff they may have, how it works, how the contracts are made, uh, where the dollars go, uh, all of those questions, and we'll have the people there in front of them to ask. And then on the second day, uh, we're going to bring in some people on Tuesday the 10th to talk about WOTUS, uh, also some of those uh, federal lands issues out there in uh, uh, Nevada, a lot of those federal lands issues, and uh, Waters of the USA, uh, also a big topic. So uh, looking for a good meeting, uh, hoping we can see lots of people out there in our summer meeting in Reno here coming up uh, July 9th and 10th. Justin, who all is invited to the summer meeting? Is it open or do you have to be a director with USCA? Nope, it is an absolutely an open meeting. Uh, you'll get a reduced uh, rate, obviously, if you join and become a member while you're there. Uh, it makes it quite a little cheaper. We'll have a few meals involved uh, with uh, uh, your registration. Uh, you can go to uscottleman.org uh, and you can register to uh, go to the meeting. Uh, but uh, I really look for some great discussion on the, all of those topics here as we uh, gather in Reno. And Justin, this is the time of year heading into a farm bill year. We do have those discussions about agriculture popping up all over the place. I understand you had the chance to take a little road trip down to Missouri here in the last week or two to talk to both legislators and members. Can you fill us in on what that conversation was about and what prompted it? I did. We were uh, visiting with uh, some of Missouri's uh, representatives about uh, uh, the Grassley-Fisher-Tester uh, bill, uh, trying to get some uh, push for it also in the House. And uh, uh, we had some great discussions. Some uh, really good uh, uh, cattlemen invited us down there into Missouri and uh, uh, had a meeting with their representative there. And then also uh, uh, got to have uh, supper and meet with quite a few of the uh, constituents around there and just talk uh, in the general cattle issues and and they're fighting a little bit of drought down there so that was sure a bit of a topic as we uh, visited but uh, I was sure privileged to go down there and talk to some of the people in Missouri about uh, what's on their mind and what we can do at uh, U.S. Cattlemen's to make it better for them. And Justin, as you're hearing from these folks, of course, the USCA still working on the farm bill for 2023. Are there any any new pushes that the organization is is working for as we get deeper into summer? 
You know, I think uh, just the uh, the general same things that we work for. We want to make sure that the, the indemnities are uh, where they belong, uh, and we, we'd like to make them permanent. So, like, when we have these catastrophic events uh, uh, in the livestock industry, that we don't have to go get that funded each and every time. But uh, I think we're going to sit back and, and, and see how some of this farm bill develops. Uh, there's lots of issues out there that uh, are very pertinent to the cattle industry. Uh, we're going to make sure that uh, U.S. Cattlemen's uh, is going to be heard, and we're at the table so we can have those discussions as they come up. That's what it comes back to. And sometimes these discussions take years to develop. I think about that cattle market uh, price discovery and transparency bill. That is something that uh, a lot of diligent folks have been working for for some time. Justin, are we getting are you getting better re- reception in Washington, D.C. this year? Are, are legislators still interested and in, in willing to have conversations about the bill? Well, that's that's very interesting. You know, it's one of the few bipartisan uh, bills in Congress. We have uh, 23 senators signed on to the bill. Uh, almost half of Congress is a co-signer in a very uh, uh, bipartisan way. Uh, it's been finding some roadblocks to try to get to the floor uh, to get a vote. It passed out of committee uh, last uh, Congress uh, uh, without uh, any difficulty. So we would like to see it at least uh, make the floor uh, get an up or down vote. Let's see where this thing can go. Again, we've we've said for a long time we don't think this a be-all, fix-all bill. We think this is a good stepping stone to get started. If we could get the the Grassley-Fisher tester bill uh, passed, uh, that's a great place to get started. We can work and then we can continue to build from there and find momentum. Uh, And and when we get into these good times, a lot of people get complacent and and we don't want to be. We want to make sure that uh, we're making this uh, cattle market so something that we can sustain for a long period of time and and not just survive in the few good times that we see. So uh, we, we think it's a vital piece of legislation and we're sure going to push hard to try to get it through that is a great point justin we got good returns now well-deserved returns for cattle producers across the country but let's not forget these battles are still out there waiting for cattle producers and if we've got the time and a little bit of money right now we can we can put some effort towards them to that end justin one issue that i know usca has been very active on have been the concerns with imported beef we've recently seen usda uh, talk about opening up paraguay we've got brazil beef coming back into the united states i understand leo mcdonald mcdonald rather, I apologize, had the chance to testify this last month. How's that going? What are you seeing from USCA's perspective on the meat imports? Is Congress listening? You know, I hope so. I thought Leo did a great job in his testimony of uh, bringing up the points of uh, why Brazil has been a bad actor and why they're an unfair participant many times in our uh, cattle market. Uh, I think that uh, this is one place where all the major cattle uh, groups, uh, RCAF, USCA, uh, NCBA, we all agree uh, that uh, we should put a halt to imports of Brazilian beef until they are brought to the table and have to compete in the exact same way that our farmers and ranchers do and uh, they've proven it time and time again with deforesting the uh, rainforests, uh, uh, using child labor, uh, also bringing in meat from another country, repackaging it, and calling it product USA. These are all things that uh, have been uh, known practices they've used and we believe if somebody from the United States had done that uh, they'd have been shut down and not allowed to do it but uh, for whatever reason uh, we continue to allow them to be a participant and, and again we don't want to be isolationists we don't believe that we, we we're okay with competition but we want it to be on the same level playing field 
Absolutely, Justin. And to that end, how are your members encouraging legislators to take a look at this issue? Is it something where you you call your legislator and say, hey, take a look at the beef coming from Brazil and Paraguay? Is that what you're recommending? Yeah, I think so. I think just uh, bringing recognition to it, Senator Rounds has done a great job in our state, has brought several bills uh, uh, to try to rein it in and, and, and at least get them on the same playing field as us. And I, I just think that's where we have to make sure that it happens. You know, we have four major Packers, two of them multinational, and uh, we can't have them dictating uh, how all of this uh, goes. Uh, you know, it's food safety is few, uh, security uh, in this country. So uh, we've we got to make sure that our food is safe. Uh, we've got to make sure that we have enough of it, and, and, and we believe that uh, our U.S. beef has been that for a long time, and we don't want to ruin uh, our reputation on something that comes in from out of country without the same protections. Absolutely. There are arguments to be made there for sure, Justin. As you talk to producers across the state of South Dakota, of course, that is a state that was devastated by drought, and that drought extends onto the south. Are you hearing enough optimism that folks are, are looking to rebuild their herds? Or at this point in the cattle cycle, are, are folks trying to, to stand pat? So where I live here in way western, say extreme western South Dakota, we have seen uh, a great amount of rain. I do talk to a lot of producers on the eastern side of the state that uh, have not been near as fortunate as we have. Uh, but I think we'll see uh, definitely some significant numbers, eastern Montana, uh, eastern uh, Wyoming, western South Dakota, western North Dakota uh, have seen pretty good uh, rainfall. So I would think... Uh, Besides the financial burdens that we've went through with the drought and needing to heal up, I would I would think we would see some put back of these numbers, but I don't think it's going to be a huge, uh, quick return to get numbers back. Uh, hay numbers or uh, uh, hay tonnage is still fairly short around. Uh, nobody had any carryover, so I don't think we'll just fly back into uh, the numbers we did. But I do think we're going to start to see some rebuild, especially if we can hold this kind of market. Right. The, this These price levels certainly incentivize a lot of folks. And Justin, as you mentioned, it, it's not just the cost of, hey, the cost of capital is more expensive this year, could slow down that rebuilding process. But there is a lot of optimism in the cattle complex right now. Justin, for folks who want to get out to Reno for that summer business meeting, tell us the details one more time, where and when and where should we go to get more information? Yeah, Reno, Nevada. Go to uscattleman.org. You can sign up there. It's going to be July 9th and 10th. Uh, we would love to see anybody who uh, has interest in the uh, checkoff or any of those uh, uh, WOTUS or federal lands issues. And also, uh, we're going to have a general discussion about uh, any of the matters that uh, some of our uh, uh, members or anybody who's out there in Reno want to visit about. So I think that's a great time to get together. Uh, again, you mentioned it uh, in a great way. This is how uh, uh, grassroots organizations and how issues are formed and this is how we make policy uh, is by going to these meetings and having these discussions so hope everybody could make it to reno july 9th and 10th absolutely folks check that out uscattleman.org is the website for more information if you want to get together talk to some cattle folks get reno on your schedule we've been talking with justin tupper president of the u.s cattlemen's association justin thanks for joining us today hey thank you and folks stick with us we'll have more aoa when we return Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. 
This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and the feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Why do you listen? I like to hear about the weather and the stocks and the animal prices. It's good to know because I have a lot of customers who come in the store and that's what they ask. I want to stay informed. I want to know what's going on in my town. I also want to be entertained, whether it's sports or music or, you know, an update on the weather. I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. 
We have some exciting news to share. The National Corn Growers Association, along with AOA, are heading back to Washington, D.C. for the monthly grind. Tune in on Tuesday, July 18th for our special one-year anniversary episode. I'll be broadcasting live from Corn Congress in Washington, D.C., and we'll be reflecting on the year and what's ahead, along with current priorities of NCGA's Market Development Action Team. Make sure to listen to AOA on Tuesday, July 18th. It's a show you don't want to miss. At YMCA Summer Camp, kids find their why. Friendship and fun, a world of adventure beneath a golden sun. Running, laughing, full of wonder. Being themselves is second nature. Summer Camp is where they begin to unlock the confidence that lies within. When kids find new passions, they find their why. Summer Camp season starts soon. Learn more at ymca.org for a better us. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues today, and just about a month ago, officials from the pork industry were gathered in Des Moines for the World Pork Expo. And one topic that was on the minds of a lot of the Midwestern producers in particular was the closure of the High Life Pork Plant in Wyndham, Minnesota. That was expected to go into place here uh, just a few short weeks ago. Last week, or a week and a half ago, rather, it was announced that Premium Iowa Pork has gone ahead and completed its purchase of that high life facility up in Wyndham. Now, the premium Iowa pork folks have not at this point announced when they would be restarting production at that plant. There's no guarantee at this point that they will. However, officials in Minnesota are certainly hopeful that that would be the case. Ag Commissioner Tom Peterson said, quote, I think there will be opportunities for those workers that are still in Wyndham. I think you're going to see more automation in that plant and fewer workers ultimately, but it's going to be good for the city long term and good for pork producers up and through the northern parts of the Corn Belt who relied on that plant uh, for processing and keeping the flow of pork moving. We'll continue to keep up to speed and see what happens with that uh, plant and if it does indeed restart operations. Going across the pond to Europe, we've seen a lot of concern in Europe over the past 20 years about pesticides and herbicides, particularly those of the synthetic variety. Well, the European Food Safety Agency this summer was set to review the application for glyphosate, of course, the generic term for uh, Bears Roundup weed killer. And there was a big push on behalf of a lot of environmental proponents in Europe to list glyphosate as a possible carcinogen. However, the European Food Safety Agency said early on Thursday that it had identified no, quote, critical areas of concern to prevent the renewed approval in the EU for glyphosate. Uh, that approval is not yet in hand. This is one of the first series of studies that they will have to complete. But it's good news for Bayer, who has been trapped in a series of legal wranglings over Roundup since a court in California ruled that it could have indeed caused uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma in a person who used it in their landscaping career. And that has uh, led to a slew of legal cases and a slew of legal expenses for Bayer. And this, Europe keeping glyphosate on the market with very few restrictions, if any, certainly could help them in the future if they do have uh, additional struggles 
with that chemical. Continue to watch again. It's no decision is final as of yet in Europe, but the initial response is that very few additional requirements would be made for glyphosate if it does get Labeled. We've got the massive international grain merchant Bungie in the news again. Of course, Bungie and Viterra had a merger several weeks ago. Big announcement in the world of grain. Well, Bungie's back at it. Bungie and Chevron said on Wednesday that together they have worked to acquire an Argentinian-based agricultural product company. Chakra Servicedos is a company that produces biofuel, and this is, uh, they are producing biofuel out of Camelina Sativa. It's a crop with a very high oil content grown down in Brazil and in Argentina, and both Bungie and Chevron are going to try to work this product, this biofuel, biodiesel product, into their fuel supplies. Uh, they say that uh, though no financial details of this transaction have been disclosed as of yet, the renewable diesel that both these companies are working to produce produces lower emissions by about 4.2% from carbon dioxide versus one gallon of a regular diesel. And of course, any reduction in carbon, depending on how a country or state's incentive program could be structured, could be reason for additional premium in the market for that renewable product. Very few additional details on that as well. This is not the first time Chevron has made a big play into the renewable energy uh, space. They, two years ago, bought REG, a very large producer of biofuels based in the Midwest, and incorporated that into their supply chain as well. We've got some additional news on the right to repair cases. This is an issue that has been in and out of the world of ag policy for the past several years. Here in the last two years, since the start of the COVID pandemic, I suppose in 2020, it is an issue that has actually started to gain legal ground. The crux of the argument here is that purchasers of things, in this case it's farm machinery, should have the right and the ability to repair that thing that they owned. In this case, a lot of times it's, uh, it's farm tractors, farm equipment. Well, a lot of times diagnosing what's wrong on those machines requires proprietary software that only the manufacturers have. And the manufacturers typically restrict access to that so that they can control the repair process. Well, the right to repair argument says if you bought it, you should be able to fix it. And those companies should make those diagnostic tools publicly available to third party repair services. Now, this has been back and forth. There are currently no federal laws on the right to repair, though there have been several floated. There was a big agreement last year, excuse me, earlier this year, between John Deere and the American Farm Bureau Federation. They signed an MOU or a motion of understanding, memorandum of understanding rather, that said John Deere would work with third-party repair folks and farmers to get these diagnostic tools out there. Since then, several other manufacturers have signed on with this MOU, and this was hopefully going to circumvent a lot of the court cases, maybe find a private uh, answer to the right to repair issue. But there are still court cases pending on right to repair. And July, according to our friend Todd Neely over at DTN, is expected to be a big month in this ongoing battle. A federal judge in the case, this is a John Deere case, is set to hold hearing on several motions over the next couple weeks, including is a motion filed by John Deere for a summary judgment on the pleadings. Basically, the John Deere is going and they are asking the court to say, hey, take a look at these facts. Doesn't it support our case? Let's throw this out. And Judge Ian Johnston told attorneys on both sides uh, here two weeks ago to come up with a hearing date, and 
get this set for motions. There is an ongoing discovery dispute uh, in the case, which could be a, a slowing factor as it gets closer. But this is the case where 17 farmers have filed clash action lawsuits alleging John Deere is in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act, and they are asking for damages for paying for repairs from Deere dealers from January 12th, 2018, all the way through to the present. We'll get Todd on, get an update to that story as that hearing date gets set, and we can keep you filled in on what's happening here with your right to repair. Folks, thanks for listening to AOA. We'll be back tomorrow. Going to get an update from our friends at the U.S. Meat Export Federation, and we'll probably talk markets as well as they continue to move. Thanks for listening, and have a great day, everybody. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.